Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. It's time to be upfront about palliative care. To many, those two words prompt fear and thoughts of dying and death. But palliative care offers so much more for those with metastatic breast cancer and when utilised can improve quality of life and help manage chronic disease. To help give a better understanding of what palliative care encompasses and when people should consider accessing it is medical oncologist and palliative medicine physician, Associate Professor Michael Franco. Also with us today is Marie Pandaloglu, who was originally diagnosed with breast cancer 10 years ago and then the cancer spread to other parts of her body and she has been living with metastatic breast cancer for five years now. Welcome to you both. Thank you. What did the words palliative care mean to you? I've always known palliative care to be end of life. This is a place you go to because all options are over and this is just a comfortable place to go to. Um, So my knowledge on palliative care was really minimal. Which must be really common, Michael. Is that uh, a general assumption? Yeah, I I think it absolutely is. It's it's, um, the understanding of what palliative care is 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 low, both in general community but also even in, in medical circles as well. And one of my big jobs and one of my big passions is, is just getting the message out there about what are the different components of palliative care as a specialty. Okay, so take us through it. I'm, I must say I'm really surprised that even in the medical uh, fraternity that it's misunderstood. Yeah, I think it is um, less and less so now, but I think palliative care in its sort of current newer iteration is is um, is relatively young. So palliative care used to just be about end-of-life care, but really over the last 30 years we really started to encompass um, much more than that. And the definition of palliative care now is that it is around improving quality of life uh, in patients who've got a life-limiting illness. And palliative care exists alongside active treatment options. So previously the, the, the medical model of palliative care was you would have treatment with your oncologist for a period of time and then when that stopped you would go into palliative care or palliative care would take over for the end bit. Um, and certainly that's not the way we work anymore. I work alongside oncologists every day with patients who have been with me for many, many years as well through their journey with metastatic breast cancer. So when should people start actually accessing palliative care? I think it's it's useful to think about palliative care at any point when you feel like your metastatic breast cancer is affecting your quality of life in some way. And that might be physical or emotional or it might be in some sort of social way as well because palliative care is about quality of life in, in all areas. Um, palliative care exists in, in various practical forms. So we have in 
um, Australia generally we have our community palliative care teams who are able to come and visit patients at their homes and look after patients at their homes and then we have inpatient palliative care as well and that's typically uh, sometimes known as, as hospice care. Um, palliative care units, inpatient palliative care units as I like to call them rather than hospice, um, may be for patients for end-of-life care, but often I've got patients who come to our inpatient palliative care unit to have their symptoms controlled for yeah. a period of time and then go home. Is that your experience? That's, yeah, that's yeah. my experience. Um, so I um, accessed palliative care more recently and it wasn't until... I spoke to Vicky Durston, who explained to me what palliative care is. The first thing she said is, have you considered palliative care? And I said, oh, do you know something I don't know? Like I was a little bit concerned about that comment. But then when she explained it, I thought maybe this is a good idea for me. So recently one of the things I did was I had whole brain radiotherapy and that caused a lot of side effects, um, particularly nausea. And they tried lots of different tablets, you know, the straight, the normal tablets that you would get but nothing helped it wasn't until I admitted got admitted into palliative care that I, I saw a doctor and immediately they put me on a different regime to what I was used to and I started seeing the symptoms diminish so did you fear that you weren't going to come out when someone said palliative care or initially I did because I thought that is that why I'm going in? Um, but then when I mentioned it to my oncologist, I said, you know, I'm considering going into palliative care. She said, that's a great idea. Um, and it was the best thing I, I did. And I was in there for 10 days and walked out there with some with tablets that I'm taking even now, but no nausea, no feeling sick. And it was just the best thing I could access. So... Staying at home and doing it was not an option, obviously. No, because um, first of all, the tablets weren't working. Um, and second of all, I'm by myself. You know, my husband was at work. Um, my kids don't live with me anymore. And so it was just myself. But I spent the whole time on the couch for the whole six months, pretty much. Isn't it interesting how with a chronic disease, life still has to go on, doesn't it? It does. You know, I'm still a mum and I want to do the mum things and the home things and, um, I mean, already I've stopped working and that's been a big change for me. But I wasn't having quality of life. There was no quality of life. Friends would come over, um, a friend would come over because of the coronavirus and I would lie on the couch all the time and I have to apologise. But now I feel since palliative care... And since the change of medication, I feel like my life has got back to some form of normality while living with metastatic. So do you now have an ongoing uh, connection or communication with the palliative care organisation? Yeah. So I have um, part of the service is someone comes to my home once a month. And that's fantastic. So we talked about um, how I'm feeling. We've talked about what services I need. And that's been really, really good to have somebody come out and touch base. Like, they don't leave you just because um, I, I was, you know, I left the hospital. It doesn't mean that palliative care stopped. And that's something I was really, really proud of and excited about. So... Um, and when I was in the hospital, what I liked is you have a doctor who would come every day 
just to twig the medication if needed to be twigged, um, asked if my family needed support. So, yeah, it's been... It was the best experience I had. Mm. So, to that end, Michael... Is that an extension of palliative care, offering support to the family? Is that part of the whole holistic approach? Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that palliative care as, a, as an approach really does try to take in, that it's, it's not just about the patient, but it's about everybody around them as well and the impacts that um, a disease or an illness might have on them, um, but also about engaging them in how we can help with various symptoms so uh, and what sort of support we might be able to provide. So um, a palliative care team might be providing psychological or psychosocial support to a patient, but equally they might be providing support to their family and, and sometimes more support to the family than the patient at times. Yes. So you don't have to be an inpatient, so to speak, to access palliative care emotional support. Correct. So... The way that I think about it is palliative care is a specialty just like oncology and we can work in different ways. So we've got community teams who are often often have teams that include doctors, nurses, social workers, psychologists, um, music therapists, occupational therapists, so an entire multidisciplinary team. And in the same way then we've got inpatient palliative care, which might be, as we said, a unit where you're looked after under, under a palliative care service. The other important part is of what we do is patients who are being looked after by another medical team, like if you're an inpatient under an oncologist or an oncology team, palliative care can come and consult just in the same way that a palliative care, uh, an oncologist might get a surgeon to come and see you. Uh, a oncologist might come and get a palliative care doctor to see you, for instance, if you're pain or, uh, like in your case, the nausea wasn't being controlled. So who is the onus on to suggest or include palliative care and is it recommended that as soon as you are diagnosed with a metastatic or chronic illness that you get on the front foot? M Marie, did, prior to this, so you've had breast cancer for 10 years, it became yes. metastatic five years ago. When did you actually start to interact with our palliative care? Only recently? Only recently yeah. because of the symptoms. I didn't realise that palliative care is symptom management. Yeah. Um, so prior to that, I didn't feel there was a need to inquire about it. There's lots of information you can I could access, but I didn't, it wasn't mm. something that I needed to do. And that's still a, a bit of a, a thorn, isn't it, in that... People know palliative care, there's still the perception that it is about end of life. And yet if if people understood really what was available to them, they could be possibly making their whole experience a whole lot better. I agree. And I, I think not everybody is going to need palliative care no. and, and it's palliative care is quite good at being able to scale up and scale down in terms of when you need it. Um, and it is just recognising those arms of palliative care has a component that is around symptom control and then it's the other component that is end of life care. But the symptom control component, we're quite good at scaling up and scaling down. For instance, you might have a palliative care team that's heavily involved with you for a couple of months to sort your pain out and then are not engaged anymore. So, and equally, oncologists are, are, are 
quite obviously experienced at good and at and good at managing these things as well. And they'll often your oncologist will often call on your palliative care team if they're struggling with pain management or nausea that's being refractory to the usual management that they'd give. So I guess to answer your question around the onus, absolutely a patient should patients should feel um, empowered to be able to ask about palliative care if they if they feel like their symptoms are not being controlled or it's maybe in some of those domains that aren't just the physical domains or um, your oncologist may well say I think it'd be a really good idea I'm struggling a little with your pain control let's get the palliative care team involved as well um, I think a really good example is uh, I've got a patient who I've known for uh, with metastatic breast cancer for the last eight years and over the last five years she's had three admissions to an inpatient palliative care unit for about two or three weeks uh, about two weeks at a time to help manage her pain she has had flares of pain from from her uh, from the disease in her bones and each time usually about once every 12 or 18 months she's come into us we've managed her pain various tweaks to her medications and she's gotten home so I think that's a nice example of how palliative care can be involved with a patient for over a long period of time but also just in 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 bursts if that's all that's required as well because I did ask that question I said now that I've come is that it am I able to come again if I need to and they said absolutely you know you can come as many times as you want um, if you feel that you need that support how did your family react to the thought that you were going in for palliative well, care? Well, the biggest mistake I made was I text the girls to, and I used the word palliative. And that's – I'm getting used to what palliative means, let alone someone outside. So that was the biggest mistake I made where I said, hi, girls, just letting you know I'm going into palliative care tomorrow. Oh, gee, I bet the, the phone rang hot then. Straight away. And that was a mistake. But the girls were really happy that I was going somewhere – um, because whatever I was doing wasn't working. So they said, well, this is great that you're going to go somewhere where they're going to help you. And the first visit um, they had all the girls there, as well, had the girls there, had my husband there, so they could actually meet the doctors and the nurses. And that was really good because they asked lots of questions as well. Mm. So apart from them managing your symptoms. Yep. Did you receive any other services while you were there? I did. Um, so I had pastoral care come um, to see me. They asked me what my religion is and um, they could arrange a priest if I wanted to have a priest come and speak to me. Um, music therapy, which I first said, oh, I don't do that. <laughs> I said, are we doing it as a group? They said, no, 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 individually. And she, and then she says, please give me a go. And I said, all right. And she comes in with all her instruments. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. But it was actually a really good experience. What instruments did she bring in? Oh, Take she us brought through in it a bit. The, um, this, it's like a Tibetan singing bowls. And it, it's just really relaxing music. Um, I think it's called Happy something. Um, but it would just really relax me. And then I almost thought, oh, why can't I do I could have done this earlier. Um, so definitely music therapy. Um, psychologist, we didn't get around to doing that, but that was another um, option. But they still call me and they come and see me once a month. And if I need extra support, they still offer it. doesn't matter if I'm staying in the hospital. What are some of the things that you find yourself asking them when they come to see you once a month? Um, about the tablets, whether I need to um, relook at that. So that's something that the doctor rang me. 
um, and he's organising a visit for me to review my tablets. Um, also asking, they're asking me whether I need any emotional support, whether I need to go and see a psychologist, psychiatrist. So they're offering those services as well. And generally just how my house is, whether I need any help around the house. Um, that, yeah. So you're really building a relationship. I really like that idea and the way you just said that because it, it, to me my relationship is very strong with my oncologist and we have a really good relationship. But this is just an add-on um, and I, it's part of, part of it now. Now it's part of it basically... Um, Palliative care is, is their part of the, my journey. Yeah. That's obviously the ideal scenario, Michael, isn't it, where a relationship is formed and can go forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it absolutely makes um, things um, a lot easier through a journey when you do have an, a pre-existing relationship with with a, a palliative care team. And, and practically for me, it's it's something that um, I think allows us to provide much better care. If I know somebody um, and we've got a relationship with them earlier, um, it does allow us to help at various different points in the journey, either when a symptom gets worse and, and we need to be a bit more hands-on to help with the symptom, or maybe a, a patient's getting to a point where they've got questions about their entire journey. And it's not uncommon for people to ask me, oh, look, Michael, I, I don't know whether I want to continue with this treatment or people are recommending this. What do you think from a, from a point of view of somebody who's seen this before? And even just having that perspective of, of somebody else that you can bounce things off that's maybe not your treating oncologist that you might not feel as comfortable asking um, that that can be something really really useful as well what would you recommend to take some of the fear away should people go and see a facility and demystified a bit or go and speak to staff at a palliative care unit to see what they can actually offer them? Are they all the same? Do they offer different things? Yeah, I think all the units do offer different things and different community services and inpatient services all work slightly differently. The ethos is still the same. I think what I, what I would recommend is speak to people you trust about palliative care first. So in terms of in particular, I'm thinking about if you've got a treating oncologist that you've been involved with, if you've got a nurse specialist or a nurse practitioner you've been involved with, your general practitioner as well. So your primary care physicians, have they're often looking after patients, many patients who've had or have community palliative care involvement. So speak to other people who you trust who are part of your current healthcare team about palliative care. And that's often the best I've find the best first introduction is through um, people you already know and trust as part of your team because then they can tailor those sort of discussions. Uh, a patient might say to their oncologist, look, I've heard about palliative care. Is that right for me? And they might, the oncologist might say, well, no, don't think so at the moment, but don't worry, it's on my radar and if something comes up, yeah. we can do that. Or you might want to bring it up with your general practitioner. And these are the sort of things that can really value add and add to the tools that you've got at your disposal to make sure that your quality of life and the journey that we've all talked about is, you know, as 
positive, as high quality and goes in the direction that you want it to as possible. So what I'm hearing is that it's not a one-way street. Once you get on the palliative care system, it's not fast-tracking you to the end. It can ebb and flow as you need it. Indeed. And, and there's even there's even some suggestion in some data that having a palliative care team involved actually can not only improve someone's quality of life, but quantity of life as well. There's been some studies that have shown that if you've got a palliative care team involved and you're controlling a patient's other symptoms better, then they're actually well enough to stay well for to have other treatments for longer that they might not have otherwise had. So absolutely agree. It's, it's not about just that end part of an illness. It's about enhancing what you're doing with your entire medical team and your entire life and family as a whole. Is there a cost involved? So for most palliative care services, no. Happily, um, community palliative care in particular, there's no cost involved uh, and it's covered uh, under the public health care system. And I went through private um, palliative care and that was covered through my insurance as well. Which is a a big relief too because, as we know, the out-of-pocket costs for breast cancer, no matter what stage... Uh, quite often horrendous. I did ask that question though, because because that, that's also a deciding factor as to where you go and whether you access palliative care was about the cost. Um, but I was reassured. BCNA's online network is an active peer-to-peer support community where people affected by breast cancer can find information and connect with others who understand what you're going through. Read posts, write your own, ask a question, start a discussion and support others. The online network is available for you at every stage of your breast cancer journey, as well as your family, partner and friends. For more information, visit bcna.org.au forward slash online network. So what would you say, Marie, to someone who was frightened about accessing palliative care or was even just a bit curious? Yeah, I I am curious. I'm one of those curious patients and always want to know things. I would say access your your metastatic nurse or your nurse at the hospital um, that I go to. So I have a metastatic nurse who comes and sees me every time I'm doing chemo. Mm -hmm. Um, So definitely I would ask her about about it and get information. I would um, bring it up with my oncologist and it could be like what you said, Michael, that it's not right now, but it's something that I've got in my radar. Um, in my case, I I made all those inquiries and questions um, because I was having symptoms. And so I would say to somebody, definitely ask your oncologist if you feel that there's another option for you to manage symptoms or your pain. Um, and definitely speak to your um, metastatic nurse at the hospital. And like Michael was saying, research indicates that it improves your quality of life, which may end up extending your life. Are you feeling more positive about the whole experience? I do. I actually feel that there's... um, I've got another place I can go to that it's, it's almost like I feel like okay so if it was end of life like end of life I almost feel like there's a relationship already built um, there with the palliative care that I went to um, and that made me feel comfortable and early on you asked uh, Michael about um, 
do you suggest people go and visit? I, I really, I, I really was impressed when I went there. I, I did, I thought it was more clinical, but it wasn't. It was actually quite friendly and um, warm. And I think that's probably a really good thing to do even before you make a decision to go into palliative care is to maybe go and visit um, and see what it's like and if it's something that, that works for you. Mm. I think with that in mind, Michael, there's no denying that palliative care does actually encompass end of life too. But that must be very reassuring, as Marie just mentioned, that if you've already got a relationship, you think of the relationship with an oncologist and your medical team, which usually extends for a long period of time, and you do, you, you form an attachment to the, and trust with that team. If you can start a relationship with palliative care earlier, then there must be something very reassuring about knowing that if and when it does come to that time, that they can see you through that process too. Is that a is that a privilege for you as a in what you do? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of the the big reasons that I I do palliative care as well. It's a very very um, you do get to build some really special relationships with with patients and their families and their loved ones. Um, and when it works well, when you do have that relationship from early in a disease course to later on, it, it is really special. Um, you certainly feel like as a, I, I certainly get to feel like as a doctor, I'm helping making, I've, I've helped make sure that someone lives the way they want to live right through and right to the end. And, and with that pre-existing relationship, I get to know my patient, but I get to know their family as well. I get yeah. to know their friends and their loved ones. I know what's important to them. So if we are entering that, that end of life care phase, those last few months of life, I can help them navigate the system and, and the choices that they might want to make um, much better than I could if I wasn't involved. If I know my patient well, I'll know who's important to them, what's important to them. I'll know what sort of supports that they might need to stay at home for their end of life journey. Or I might know when to suggest coming into an inpatient unit. Um, but it is, it is really a privilege. And, and a lot of people, when you talk about, you know, I'm a palliative care doctor, people sort of look at you really strangely. But there is, there really is some real joy and some really, really special and positive and beautiful parts of the job. Um, and not just for me, but for, for the families and loved ones of the people that I look after as well. It is really rewarding. And I think certainly um, both for, both for, ourselves as a as a as as palliative care teams but also for for patients and the and those around them too i know one of our women marie before she passed away mm. said that you know talking about these sort of things doesn't make it happen any quicker but in actual fact can be reassuring and supportive for everyone involved how do you feel now that you're sort of in the arms of, of palliative care now if you like and they're going to be there for, just like BCNA, for the whole entire journey. That's how I feel, that, that I've now got a contact in palliative care. Um, it's another, another resource for me as well. Um, but whenever I want to, I can always ring them up. Like the other day, I wanted to speak to the doctor. 
um, to organise to review my medication, and and um, straight away she knew who I was. We had because you know, we built that relationship. I was in there for ten days, and I think it's really important, you know, about me coming here today about getting the message out there. It's not everyone's as inquisitive as I am, and and um, but I think it's really important that the doctors, oncologists, nurses play a really big part here. That. If I don't ask the question, why should I be suffering with just trying different medication from the doctor? Why not, why not another resource? <clears throat> and I think palliative care is something that I think if in my case I accessed it at the right time mm. um, and I was, it was very positively taken when I brought it up with my oncologist. And... Um, but a lot of people don't know about it, so I think it needs to be a lot more known out there. But also the word palliative, I think that needs to change. <laughs> I really think that need that needs to change because a lot of people, you know, if you go out to the community and ask what their their thoughts on palliative, they wouldn't they wouldn't say symptom management, no. and I didn't say symptom management. And a lot of people, as a result, might be missing out and missing on, out exactly. Yeah. So if they they shouldn't be missing out if they're under an oncologist and under a nurse, um, really. Um, but what would you call it? Oh, that's a really good. Um, I would something to do with symptom management, prevention symptom management, something like that. But I think it needs some work, but not just per centre. I think it's just the general word needs to be changed. Mm. But you feel supported and your family feels supported? Yeah, very much so. So um, I've got a doctor there, Dr Cathy, and she's just amazing. And so my girls have met her and she did ask the question whether the girls needed support as well. So that was really – I'm glad that she did that. Um, but as long as they saw that I was getting better, they were happy. That was the main thing. But um, very much, I feel very much, very supported. And, you know, it was a, it was a kind of place that, that if I wanted to go out for a coffee, I could go out. It wasn't just I'm locked in into the hospital. Yes, you're wearing the bands and it's like you're in a, you are in a hospital, but you're allowed to do day, day excursions as well with your family. I even went down the road and found a Greek Orthodox church and went to their service. Um, the nurse gave me a lift there. It was just wonderful. Um, the other thing I noticed, which was great, the room was big and I'm you know, very fortunate where the facility I was in, that they actually had um, a bed, a forward-up bed, that if my husband wanted to stay or my children wanted to stay with me, they could. Um, and that's a great option to have, you know, maybe not while I'm going through symptom management, but definitely for palliative end of life. I think that's that's wonderful to be mm. able to have your family there with you and your, you know, partner there with you if needed. Is that part of the service, Michael? And is there some flexibility in that? Yeah, absolutely. I think certainly all palliative care units are set up to be different to a normal hospital ward um, in terms of their flexibility and all palliative care units have facility to be able to allow loved ones to stay with, with their family members, particularly if it is towards end of life. But just there's in most palliative care units, there's much more flexible rules in terms of um, being able to do things like day leave or overnight leave. Yes. Because we know that patients um, along their journey might have you'll have good days and bad days. And, and if you're feeling great one particular day and want to go home and your family's there and able to support you, you might want to go home and stay home overnight. And certainly that's something that palliative care is really good at facilitating. And, yeah, inpatient palliative care units are, are generally more flexible and more like home or and less like a hospital ward. And can you always 
get a bed? I think I can't say that you can 100% of the time, but the great majority of the time um, there you, you will have access to a palliative care bed. We certainly always prioritise our patients who are in community and have uh, are in need with symptoms. And even if you can't immediately get into the bed, your palliative care team will do whatever it takes to either support you at home until a bed's available or might get you into an associated normal medical ward to stabilise you while we get a bed in palliative care. So they really have got you back the whole time? Absolutely. I wanted to also mention the re one of the other reasons um, to that I left palliative care to go for a coffee was that sooner or later I'm going to go back to, back to my home. And I wanted to see what it was like with the medication, walking to the local cafe, sitting down, having a coffee, because you know, I wasn't, I was going to leave in a few days. So I wanted to test that out, if that, that makes sense. Yeah, from the safety of the cocoon, yes. you wanted to see how it transferred to, to real life. Correct. And they really encouraged that. I said, right, I need to go out. I need to go for a walk. I want to see whether I can walk without being nausea, nauseous. And um, they really encouraged that. That's great. Well, thank you both for sharing your experience and expertise today. If you'd like to know more about palliative care, BCNA's online tool can tailor information specific to your diagnosis. You can download it from our website, bcna.org.au. This episode of Upfront is with thanks to Cancer Australia. The opinions of our guests are always welcome, but not necessarily shared by BCNA. If you have any individual concerns, please contact your health team. And if you found this podcast useful, leave a view wherever you have downloaded Upfront. It helps others find us. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being Upfront with us.